Welcome to Through AAA Eyes. I'm your host, AAA. So, how was your week? Mine wasn't too bad. I can't complain. Um, it's been an interesting one, you know, watching social media because it was a combination between the Game of Thrones finale, all the folks who watch Game of Thrones like myself, and then the other side of it was the, um, you know, the uh, the abortion laws um, being passed in Alabama and in other states as well, and a lot of debate about women's health and rights, and, you know, so much of that going on, and rightfully so, we're going into an election year in, um, you know, next year for... Um, for the states as well as uh, what do you call here in Ghana so there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of talk going on here in Ghana I mean we've got one of the news networks um, looking for accountability you know there people want change I see that and so there's a lot of things in motion right now um, the direction it's going, I can't say it's always positive according to my view, my own personal views, but I guess we just have to see what history, you know, what, what, bec uh, what comes to pass and what will soon become history as well. Um, but in the news, um, something that I saw yesterday, well, it's been coming for a few months and I just thought it was, it's brilliant and other countries need to follow suit, was Rwanda banned all skin bleaching products. And I thought, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, skin bleaching, especially amongst people of color, it's, you know, it's a touchy um, conversation. The numbers of people who are doing it is amazing to me. Um, you know, here in Ghana, I would venture to say maybe even two out of five women are bleaching, and then and maybe one out of five guys. Um, these are my own statistics from what I see when I go around, and it always breaks my heart because often you see that even though they've bleached, they've unfortunately made their skin worse. So somebody who had perfectly good skin, no acne, nothing, suddenly has these terrible big welts on their face and all of these things because they're basically making the layers of their skin die before they get to that lighter color that they think is the right one for them. And so it got me thinking, you know, past the skin bleaching, I'm like, why are we doing this? Especially when we know it is dangerous for us. I mean, some of the chemicals that go into skin bleaching are the same things that they pump into dead bodies to keep them, you know, looking a little supper, uh, you know, for, um, you know, for burial. I mean, it's just, it's, <clears throat> again, why, ladies and gentlemen, why do we do this? And... It brought me to think about conformity. So before I go further, I think we need to define conformity. So according to the dictionary, conformity is the compliance of standards, rules,
rules or laws or behavior in accordance with socially accepted conventions or standards. So let's, uh, let's break that down into something that maybe you've experienced. Let's say you go on a date of, you know, you're going out for dinner or you've gone out with whatever, with family, friends, you've gone out for dinner. Now, here you are at the restaurant, you're looking at the menu and you see, ooh, they have a juicy ribeye steak and oh, damn, that looks really good. Mmm, I like my steak medium rare. I'm so going to get medium rare steak. And then the other person you're dining with says, oh, I'm just going to get an appetizer of mozzarella sticks mozzarella sticks and then you start to think a little deeper um mozzarella sticks are done like in 10 minutes your steak is probably going to take 20 so what happens by the you know in between that time they're going to be done eating and then i'm eating alone and the whole point of us coming out for dinner was that we're supposed to eat together and then wait then you look at the price oh the mozzarella sticks are like i don't know ten dollars the steak is like 30 oh man, I can't, I feel bad, they're paying for me, da-da-da-da-da-da. Long story short, they get the mozzarella sticks, you wind up with onion rings and go home hungry. That's conformity and empathy. (laughs) So I want to look into why we conform. Um... I think the most basic, basic reason I could come up with was it's easier. It's easier to conform than to go against the grain, isn't it? And, you know, like with conformity, why, why it's easier for us to go again, you know, to, to, uh, sorry, y'all, my thoughts are getting a little crossed here. So it's easier to follow what the norm is. It's easier to follow what society says, isn't it? Because you don't want to be an outcast. Now, granted, nowadays, it might be a little easier to be an outcast, depending on which society you belong to, than it was maybe 100 years ago or 200 years ago, you know, where you were literally driven out of a village or driven out of town. But depending where you live, this might still be your reality. So why are we conforming? One of the reasons is social acceptance. We all want to be liked. We really want to be liked, you know? We, nobody likes to have a hater. As much as, you know, all the pop stars and everything, they're like, whatever, haters. We don't like it when we're hated. We want everyone to like us. You know, we all want everyone to think we're all sugar and spice and everything nice. So that's one of the reasons why we go along with whatever it is. Because we want to be liked. Another reason could be religious influence. We We go with the grain because... You don't want to be pointed out for not being religious enough. I can say, especially here in Ghana, religion is, you know, 
we ask people what church you go to before we ask where they're from, which town they're from, you know, this kind of thing. It's a very important question to people out here because that's how they judge you, whether they realize or not, depending on what church you say, you know, if it's acceptable to them, fantastic. Um, you know, I even remember, uh, last year during my, um, my knocking, which is sort of the, uh, um, engagement in uh what do you call basically where my husband asked for my hand you know asked my family for my hand um my grand aunt made it a point to ask what church did he attend and when he said which one that he grew up following then her face dropped because it wasn't their church and then she made sure to say well make sure to bring him to our church you know so that it makes it easier. So again, if my husband wanted to conform at that moment, he should have said the church that my grand aunt goes to and everything would have been sugar and spice and everything nice now, wouldn't it? Now, another reason why we conform and this one, I think everyone can relate to is to avoid punishment. Whether it's punishment by the law, punishment by your parents, punishment at work, you know. For example, when we were in school, if somebody cheated on a test, you sure as hell weren't going to go tell the teacher that, hey, so-and-so cheated because now everyone involved was going to get punished. And back in the day, we used to get the, you know, the rulers to the hand. Yeah, that wasn't fun, especially when they did three rulers, two wooden, one steel. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Yes, memories. So we don't want to get in trouble. So when the teacher asks who cheated, you all say, I don't know. Even though all four or five of you or sometimes the whole class had the same answer wrong. So we're not going to, you know, what do you call, give it up because we're going to be punished. And then, of course, you oh, if you're going to give up the rest of your class, always remember, snitches get stitches, you know? So <laughs> that's a whole other side of conformity there. Now, one reason why we conform as well is you have to think about how high pressure the situation is. Are you dealing with a big group of people? Because if it's a big group of people, then suddenly it's like, hey, maybe it's easier for me to go along with whatever the group wants, as opposed to um, singling myself out and dealing with the scorn of the group or retaliation, whatever it is. So a good example of this would be, um, let's see, group tactics. Oh, Lord, I had a good example and it just flew out of my mind. I'm getting old, (laughs) y'all. Okay, I'm going to come back to that one because it totally flew out of my mind. But okay, another reason why we um, we conform if the situation is weird. Now, by weird, I mean, let's say you've gone you've gone to somebody's house for the first time and you know they are setting the table they start to bring out food that you don't quite recognize 
and maybe you're you know it's food that you're not really keen on but here you are at a table there's four or five people and they are enjoying the food and it would be rude for you to say "Mm -mm, I ain't touching that oh ew so you end up shoveling the food down your throat and swallowing without thinking as as fast as you can because it would be awkward for you to say I'm not eating that so in this situation you're conforming so that you're not the weirdo in the group now the last reason I came up with was cultural difference this is very very I mean this one I think we all face every time you step out of whatever your society is and that saying always comes to you know pass when in Rome do as the Romans do you know so whenever you travel the laws that you are used to the traditions you are used to suddenly change to whatever traditions and laws are of that particular place so for example if I was to go to Saudi Arabia I need to wear an abaya I need to you know I need to cover my face cover my hands and and that's what it is that's what their society you know uh, demands of me and if I want to see their society that's how it is and you know some of course some places are more lenient some are more stringent it really really depends but now that we're aware of what conformity is where are you most likely to experience this so about let's see now we are in 2019 I want to say about seven years ago I um, got called for jury duty and unfortunately for me um, it was a capital murder case yeah I was so not prepared because jury duty is not what you see on TV the trial is not what you see on TV it's not as exciting um, you know so the case was um, a gentleman who um, unfortunately shot his daughter's lover and the mother and the you know the lover's mother in a fit of rage and when I say shot I'm putting it nicely it was an assassination that's the only way I can put it and the 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 trial was really short two days and with a lot of graphic I mean when I mean graphic they showed us every bullet hole where it went in where it came out um, testimony from the daughter it was really devastating watch and when it came down to giving our verdict we the jury you know went back into the room and we were supposed to discuss and come out and to be fair the case was if you look at just the facts it was pretty open and shut but there were some details that didn't sit right with me 
but at the same time we weren't supposed to uh, necessarily consider those details but in a jury room where you're debating what happens to someone's life talk about being in a pressure cooker and you see all those familiar characters you know you have you have the dude who you know thinks he knows everything because he sat on a jury before and he's like oh well let's you know throw away the key and then you've got me on the other hand who's you know trying to grasp taking away somebody's life essentially luckily it wasn't a death penalty case but normally capital murder is a death penalty case but the death penalty was taken off in the uh, in this particular one but the gravity of the situation weighed on me and i couldn't believe how quickly everybody else just wanted to give the verdict and be done with it so we talked about it but i think less than 30 minutes we were done that's how, that's how much time we gave this man's life um you know and in that room because of the amount of pressure that was in the room i started to notice certain people you know got quiet they didn't talk even though we were supposed to talk we all wrote our um you know our decisions down on a piece of paper that was folded and then later we we counted it out so that no one could be singled out in case they decided not to vote for um you know the um what do you call for guilty and i could see how depending on who is in that room depending on the situation how easy it would be to manipulate somebody else's uh, decision for the verdict you know a lot of people don't like pressure so when you are put into that pressure cooker literally it is so easy to just be like hey okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say guilty because i want to go home and most of all i want to get the hell away from all of this another way we can see conformity at play bullying now this one i think is the most straightforward Let's look at school bullying because, you know, it's an ongoing issue and will never go away. And I think there's bullying at work, there's bullying, there's hazing, there's all sorts. When somebody, usually there's one person who wants to be the bully. And then his group of friends decide, well, he's the cool dude. And I'm using he, um, you know, generically, but women are also, um, you know, are guilty of this. So we've got the cool dude who thinks he's the big guy and needs to bully whoever he's chosen to be the victim. And now you've got his buddies who need to co-sign on whatever he's doing because if they didn't co-sign on it, then suddenly they are not cool. And then you've got the victim who suffers the bullying every day. And then you've got the rest of the people who stand around and watch and don't say anything and often we ask why aren't they saying anything again 
it's easier to go with the grain than to say, hey, I'm not going to allow you to bully this young guy, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly you're enemy number two to Mr. Bully. You see what I mean? It's easier to keep your head down and avoid the situation. So coming back to the initial, um, you know, news report about bleaching. Why are people bleaching? They are bleaching because they need to conform with the standards that were set for them by colonialism and by slavery. So during slavery times, the slaves were divided into different color codes, essentially. You know, you had the ultra dark ones who, you know, were sent out to the fields. The ones who um, were mulatto, as they say, um, or half caste or whatever horrible term you or yellow. They were sent into the house to work because they were a little bit more pleasing on the eye as opposed to the dark skin. You know, and it's not only in slavery. I mean, if you go to India, you look at the caste system and you look at who is actually being discriminated against. Again, it has a lot to do with skin color. The darker skin tones are the ones who, you know, who are put to work to clean the the lavatories and the latrines. So by bleaching, the folks who are bleaching are hoping to reach that skin color that makes their life easier, or so they think. So because being dark-skinned is not easy, and only because society has decided to not make it easy, you know. And so you've got folks out there who think, if I make my skin lighter, maybe if I my skin is more yellow than white, because the white that they're trying to achieve, they'll probably never achieve, not without killing themselves first. So while they try to achieve that skin color, that's going to make in their head, they think that they can pass for white. They can pass for the acceptance of society. They'll keep bleaching. Now, the irony of this is many of the people who are bleaching have never traveled to Europe, for example, to see that there are tons of Caucasian people who are spending a whole lot of beach time trying to get closer to our skin tone because they think it's beautiful. Imagine that. Hmm. But again, they only see the side of of what they know and what they've been educated to know. The little comments that they grew up with, you know, you're pretty for a black girl. Oh, your hair, you know, your hair's too kinky. You know, you have good hair and you don't have good hair, etc., etc. These are all remnants of colonization and they are affecting our societies terribly. And until we as a society decide to go against the grain and say, hey, we are allowed to have our own beauty standards. We are allowed to be more curvy, to, you know, to dance as we do. What? Then it's okay. 
For example, I remember even just 10 years ago, if you saw a black woman twerking, you know, shaking the booty, oh, she had to be a hoe, she had to be a stripper, she had to be X, Y, and Z. But now, suddenly, because Caucasian women are doing it, it's cool. Oh my God, you got to go join this twerking class and la, 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 la. And suddenly, there are twerk composite uh, competitions. There are pole dancing competitions. You know, so society often gets to choose what what is okay and what's not. And if you're going to go against society, then you got to put on your big girl panties and be ready to swim upstream. I don't know about y'all, but... I'm an okay swimmer, but I often choose to swim upstream and it's not fun. It can be exhausting. It can be lonely, but at the same time, I know I get to choose what I want for myself. So if you're in a situation where you feel like you have conformed too much, that you are losing whatever it is that you essentially, that makes you essentially who you are, perhaps it's time to swim upstream. And the cool thing about swimming upstream is when you get upstream, you usually find there are some other folks who are there waiting for you because we're often not alone. We think we are. But we're not. So on that note, y'all, swim upstream if you're uncomfortable. Swim upstream and find your soul family. Thank you for listening to me. I hope you have a beautiful week and I'll uh, catch y'all next week. Take care.